Egypt. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one. Be on the back side of your Bible over there in Hebrews chapter one. Now, we're in a series about the kingdom of God. And we're talking about the kingdom of God. Let me define it again. You say, how many times are you going to define it until you get it? Let me define it again. Kingdom of God, it is not, I throw this in, it's not religion, it's not church work. It is the activity of God in the earth. It is the activity of God in the earth by his spirit when he's working in the earth. Now it can be in the church, but not all church stuff is kingdom of God. Sometimes good stuff, church stuff, civic club stuff is good people doing good things for people. That's great, but that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where God's hand is. It's his activity in the earth. And we're talking about the kingdom of God. Today we look at, this is such an encouraging word today. It's one of my favorite words about the kingdom of God from scripture. And we're going to talk today about the kingdom of God. Now, let me say this before we read this. Every kingdom has pretty much three components. Every kingdom, whether it's a nation, a kingdom, or a culture, it has three components. For instance, the United States of America would be considered a kingdom. Uh, You have countries that are called kingdoms in the Middle East, especially. It'd be considered a kingdom and it has three things. It has a king. Now we don't have a king. We have a president and a Congress. And that's who rules over the nation, the kingdom. You have citizens that are ruled over, uh, which would be all 330 million of us. But you also have agents of the government that rule and minister the will of the leaders to the people. Got it? That would be government workers in America. That would include all the U.S. military, all your safety people, uh, all your educational people. We have have about three million people in this nation that are agents of our government to minister the will of the government to the people. You got that? All right, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness are like that too. The kingdom of God in the earth has a king. Somebody guess his name. All hail King Jesus. That's the kingdom of God. It has citizens. Who is that? Those that are born of the Spirit, the children of God. But it has agents that minister the will of the Father, the will of Jesus to the people, and those are called angels. All right, the kingdom of hell has a king. That king's name is Satan, the rep, whatever you want to call him. He has citizens. What are those citizens called? Democrats, is what somebody told me the other day. <laughs> Republicans, whichever side you're on. I'll probably get an email over that. All right. They're called the sons and daughters of darkness in the Bible. And a lot of people, you've heard preachers say, we're all children of God. No, we're not. Oh no. Why does the Bible say this? First John 3, 10. In this, the sons of God and the sons of the devil are made plain. Listen, the Bible's very clear. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There's no third ground and there's no middle ground. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. So get on his team. Be born again. All right. So the kingdom of darkness has a king. It has citizens, but it also has agents that minister from their king to their citizens. And they're called demon spirits or fallen angels. You got it? So every kingdom has a king. They have citizens and they have agents. We're going to talk about the agents today. We're talking about God's agents today and they're called angels. Now, let me say this before we we talk about their, Billy Graham wrote a great book one time called God's Secret Agents. Well, the best ever was. Before I say this about angels, man, they get a bad rap. You think of angels, you think these little fat, dumpy dudes sitting on a cloud playing a harp. You got that out of a truck stop. You didn't get it out of the Bible. Little angel, here, mama, I got you an angel. A little fat thing like a Pillsbury Doughboy. That's not an angel. That's nonsense. Angels are fierce beings. 
and the Bible has much to say about them and you have had much interaction with them. Let me tell you something. At my age, as much as I love Jesus where I've been, the only reason I'm alive today is because of the angels. You too, probably. I want you to look at what the Bible says about God's agents in the earth, the angels. Number one, what, we ask four questions. Number one, what is an angel? Well, the answer is in Hebrews 1, not some little fat dude in a truck stop. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 says this. Hebrews 1, 13. To which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? He didn't say that to angels. He said it to Jesus. Now, here's what an angel is, verse 14. Are angels not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Amen. That's the definition of an angel right there. An angel is, a, is an invisible being, but just because he's invisible doesn't mean he's not real. He is a minister, he's a spirit. You see in the Bible when an angel's a spirit? He is a spirit, he's a ministering spirit, and he's sent, he's sent forth, which means he's under orders to do what? To minister. Now minister, we think of minister, we think of a guy behind a pulpit, bad thing. The word minister means serve. Take care of people, serve people. So an angel is an invisible spirit being who is sent to do what? Serve people. Take care of people. But he's sent to serve a select group of people. Who is it according to that verse? To minister for those who will. The sons and daughters of God who are going to heaven one day will inherit salvation. Aren't you got it? A minister is an invisible, an angel is an invisible being in the earth sent by God to help people that are God's people. All right, that, they're God's secret agents in the earth. They, they would be ministers in that regard. All righty. Quick question. A lot of people ask this. Can you see angels? Can people see angels? Well, often they do, but usually no. And I need to ask you this question though. Think about this. Just because you can't see something, does that mean it's not there? Okay, good. We need to understand that. All right, here's the, the Bible says we see angels two ways at times. Some people do, most of us don't. You can see angels in their angelic form if God allows you to. And many people have. I'm gonna tell you about some that have in a little bit. One of the great passages on this, if you wanna look it up, 2 Kings chapter six. One day there was an old preacher named Elisha. He was old. He had a little helper that lived with him named Gehazi. And the neighboring country to this day is Syria. And the king of Syria hated Elisha with a passion because Elisha told the king of Israel what Syria was doing. And Syria kept getting beat because this prophet kept telling the truth. So the king of Syria decides he's going to send his delta force to go get this, old, this fat old preacher and go kill him. So they send this warrior team to go get him. Little Gehazi gets up one morning. He goes out the front door, the Bible said, maybe to get the newspaper or something. He goes out the front door and he stands there and he looks and here are a thousand Delta Force warriors from Syria circling their little house. He pees in his robe or britches, whatever he had on. I mean, it scared him spitless. He calls Elisha, says, come out here. Elisha steps out there. The little guy's just scared. The guy fixing to get killed. They're going to take the old man away. And he said, we are doomed. Yeah. So Elisha says, just relaxes. He says, you don't have to worry. He said, those that be with us, that famous verse, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. That's a great verse. And the little, the little helper goes. And so he counts. <laughs> Still scared. All right, Elisha prays this praise, said, Lord, open his eyes. And God touched his eyes and he let him see in the spirit realm. All right, you got the old preacher and his little helper on the front porch there. You got a thousand hateful warriors 
But around those thousand warriors are thousands of warriors with flaming swords drawn. What did he see? He saw the angels of God that were there to deliver them. Now, listen to me. Let me ask a question. When did those angels get there? When he saw them? No. They were there before he saw them. Got it? So that's a picture in the Bible and there's several places like where God let people look into the spirit world and see these angelic beings in their form. How many of you think that his attitude changed a little bit when he saw that? How many of you think he lost his fear? How many think he got a little bit of an attitude about him? You want some of this right here? How many think he really lit it up? So at times people can see angels. In scripture, you have numerous places where people can see them in that regard. I've heard credible stories of missionaries, missionaries that I've known who have seen the angels of God ministering. They've seen them. When I was 25 years old, I spent the day with an old missionary. Her name was Bertha Smith. She's the lady that led and helped birth the great revival in China, the Shandong Revival in the 1930s and 40s that birthed the great Chinese underground church we know of today. Bertha was a great force for God. She was 99 years old. A few months before she died, I spent the day with her. <clears throat> she told me, said, during that great work of God that went on for just a couple of years, the communists hated us, but they couldn't stop us. We would see angels on the buildings protecting us. We'd see them in the buildings. Stop. We'd see them do things to stop communistic. We saw the angels. We saw them stop tracer bullets. She said, God just let us see the protection that was around us. And I've heard several stories of missionaries that see it in special. I've seen it here. So the Bible says you can see them in their angelic form uh, at times. I've had people uh, on a few occasions through the years come to me after a service at the Soderburn and say, uh, just say, this is going to sound crazy, but while you were up there, I saw a man standing behind you and to your side with his arms folded. Big man standing. I said, well, what do you want? This little dumpy fight? I don't know if dumpy dude up. I want the big ones up here. I said this like, and he was like just standing there watching the crowd. Well, and they said, then I looked again and he wasn't there. Well, that wasn't our stage manager. <laughs> the angels of God. Now listen to me. You can see them in human form. Some of you have. This is why you need to be nice to people at the Walmart. You're in Hebrews. Turn to chapter 13. Let me show you that. Hebrews chapter 13. On occasion, angels take on a human body. They take on human form. And I've heard of no few folks tell this. But Hebrews chapter 13 tells us about angels taking on human form. Hebrews 13 too says this. Do not forget to entertain strangers. Now, that don't mean you have to sing for them or play your harmonica for them. The word entertain means be kind. Be gracious. You better be nice to strangers. And here's why. Don't forget to entertain strangers. For by, those, by so doing, some of you have unknowingly entertained angels. So the Bible tells you and I that we can think people are around us and we're gracious to them, but they were actually angels in, the, in a human form. And I've heard uh, stories of people who said all of a sudden a person appeared out of nowhere and, and normally it's there to help them or rescue them. They just showed up from nowhere and they, they did this and it, and it helped us. And then all of a sudden, nobody could find them. Well, that was the angel of God coming. They unknowingly entertained angels. They thought it was just a nice person, but it was actually an angel taking human form. So you can see them in that regard. But let me say this again. Whether I see, it, whether I see them or not has nothing to do with whether they're there or not. I don't go by what my eyes see. I go by what this word says. And they are ministers sent to minister and sent to take care of people that will inherit salvation. All right, question number three. How do angels minister to us according to the Bible? 
There are three ways the Bible says they take care of us and minister to us. Obviously, when you think of an angel, what's the primary way? Protection. You think of them protecting people. All through the Bible, you see angels stepping in to protect people. One of my favorite ones, in the book of Daniel, there was a guy named Daniel. That's why the book's named Daniel. And uh, he worked in the government of, of a foreign king. He'd been captured as an exile and he'd been carried to Babylon. He worked in the government there. <clears throat> and uh, he, he was a man that loved God passionately. And they wrote a law in their land that said, you cannot worship your God. Sort of reminds you of the United States. You can't worship your God in the direction we're headed. And uh, so Daniel thought about it and said, his response was, he sent an email to the king, stick it in your ear. And he said, I will. Actually, they said, you can't pray to God. You know, we, we can't pray to God. So he did this. He decided he was going to go ahead and pray. He not only prayed, he decided to push his windows wide open and he decided to get on his knees in front of that window and pray so that anybody that wanted to could see him pray. Sort of had, all these people in the Bible had attitudes, didn't they? My kind of people. All right, so he's in there praying. And of course, they, because they saw him praying, they drug him to the authorities and they threw him in the lion's den. They had a pit, hungry lions they didn't feed. And the people they didn't like, they just throw them in there. And um, the king didn't want it to happen because the king respected Daniel, but a law was a law. So the Bible said the king didn't sleep all night. King wasn't even a follower of God, but he prayed to God all night for Daniel. Said he got up as soon as daylight came, he ran to that hole. He looked down and he said, Daniel, are you alive? Has your God delivered you? And Daniel hollered out, reign forever, O king. This is Daniel chapter uh, six. Reign forever, O king. The Lord sent his angels and shut the mouths of these lines. He looked down in the hole and Daniel's laying there. He's propped up, his back's on one line laying there, got his feet propped up on another line and they can't bite him. Why? God sent his angels. Angels are what God sends to help people. They're his agents working in the earth. All through scriptures, Acts chapter 12, uh, the king arrested James and put him to death. One of the three chief apostles put him to death. He saw how that thrilled the people. He said, then I'll kill the head man. So he arrested Peter, threw him in prison, intending to bring him out the next morning and slay him. So Peter's in prison. He's gonna be brought out and be killed the next morning. And the Bible said in the middle of the night, an angel walked into the jail cell and tried to wake him up, but he couldn't get him awake. So he had to smack him. He smote him. He had to smack him to get him awake. I don't seem strange to you. You're going to be executed at daylight and you sleeping like that? Apparently that man was ready to go. So he smacked him and he woke him up and the angel said, put on your shoes and put on your coat. There's some things we need to be able to do for ourselves. What you, what the angels will do what you can't do, but there's some things you need to do. Make your bed. All right, so he gets up and, he, and he, the door opens and he leads him out of the prison and the angel disappears. And he said, the Lord sent his angel to get me out of here. And so they minister in that regard. We, we had a man, uh, one of the greatest books I ever read. There's a man that is the most hated man in China right now. I mean, the Chinese government despises him. His name, he just goes by Brother Yun, Y-U-N. He's the best known preacher in the country of China and the government hates him because he preaches the gospel. He, he'll never back down. And of course, the Chinese government, the communists hate God. And don't, uh, don't be deceived by the propaganda coming out of China. They're, they're ruthless with believers over there. But Brother Yun, as, uh, he wrote a book called The Heavenly Man. He's been to Burlington. Dr. Williams brought him to Burlington here at one time uh, to minister here. And he's just, he, he's about as close to God as any man I've ever read about to be alive today. 
And in his book called The Heavenly Man, he told it, and they have persecuted him. He's been to prison over and over. He has been, bones have been broken. He's been beaten mercilessly. And he just keeps loving the people that hurt him. He loves Jesus, keeps preaching. And he said, I will die before I'll stop. So they're trying. But he was held in their central prison one time. I saw a picture of the prison. And he said, I was chained to a wall. And he said, all of a sudden, for some reason, I was unchained. And he said, every door throughout the, I was at the very inner chamber. Every door through the prison was open. He said, I just got up and walked out of the prison, walked through every door. He said, every guard was standing there, but they couldn't, I just walked right by them. They couldn't see me. And he said, I, I just, all of a sudden I'm standing outside on the road in front of the prison, looking at it. And he said, I just realized they don't unlock that many doors and, and guards aren't blind. The angel of God came and just led him out of there. He went, he uh, found his wife connected with her. He got out of the country. He, could have, he came to America. He could have stayed here safe, but he said, God sent me to China. He went right back over there and got arrested again. But the angel of God has kept him alive. And I hear stories of that over and over of angels intervening in places like that. Of course, they do in our lives too. And the Bible teaches they're here to protect. Uh, I think of the story of the man named Lot in the Bible. He lived in an ungodly place. Two angels visited him and said, judgment's coming. Lot said, yeah, okay. And the Bible said Lot drug his feet a little bit. The Bible said the angels took him by the hand and said, let's go. And drug him out of that place. And they had to draw their swords to get him out of there. And so you see all, all through scripture where you see these angels protecting people like it. All right. He said, that's great. I love them Bible stories. What about today? They're still doing it today. Turn with me to Psalm 91. Let's look at this. You need to memorize Psalm 91. Psalm 91, uh, by the way, Psalm 91 is in the Bible. I said, point that out. All the Bible's in the Bible. Let me tell you something about the Bible. I heard of uh, a man who had been educated way beyond his intelligence recently. He said, why would you say that about somebody? Anybody that questions the Bible has been educated beyond their intelligence. Uh, last preacher's meeting I went to was years ago. I don't go to them no more. Conference. Last one I went to, me and a buddy went and we sat down and the guy spent about 10 minutes introducing this fella. You had to tell us how great he was because you'd never known it by listening to him. So he finally gets up there and he gets this real intelligent look on his face and he said, in the prism of my mind, my buddy leaned over and said, did he just say his mind's in prison? I said, he did. I said, there's a pool hall across the road. You want to go shoot some? So we went and shot pool. You say you're making fun. I sure am. Anybody that puts a question mark over the Bible has been educated beyond their intelligence. And the point is, I heard a man say recently, and he said, a lot of the verses in the Bible are irrelevant for today. Let me tell you something. All of it is God's word. None of it is irrelevant. If you can't trust Psalm 91 to take care of your kids when they go to school, how can you trust John 3:16 to get you into heaven when you fall over? All of God's word is relevant and we need to hold to it. All right, you say, well, you, you got an attitude like Daniel. I sure do. Psalm 91 says this. Let's put in verse nine. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. Now, now just stop. Who is this? These are those who trust Jesus. Those who have made God their father. They put their trust in Jesus. Verse 10 says this, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. What's your dwelling? That's your home. That's where you live. Why? Why will no evil come near my dwelling? Verse 11, for because he shall give his angels charge over you 
to keep you in all your ways. What does that tell me right there? I love Jesus. I've given my life to him. I pray to him. God Almighty spoke to some angel or a group of them and said, go to that boy's house. That's what it means. Give charge, give orders. God gave them orders. Go to that boy's house and take care of him. Protect everything he's got. Protect his family, protect their finances, protect the ground itself. You go take care of that boy right there. That's what it means. He will give his angels orders or charge over you. They'll guard you in all their ways. Now listen to verse 12. In their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Has an angel ever had his hand on you? What does verse 12 say? They're there. Right, let me ask you a question. You say, I've never seen them. So what? What does God's word tell me here? If you've decided to follow Jesus, he has commanded angels to go to your house. And it doesn't necessarily mean your house. If, if they have to watch you in all your ways, then they have to be with you all the time. I mean, they follow me to work. They follow me to pool hall. They follow me wherever I go. They follow me fishing. It's the only reason I haven't fallen out of the boat and been drowned through the years. I did fall out of the boat last year one time by myself in the dead of winter. Got back to it. I know that angel went home that night and said, can I have the Methodist preacher? Give me somebody else. Send somebody else to watch him. But what's the Bible say right here? The Bible said, you love God. He will dispatch angels to guard you in all your ways. Bear you up. Now, you say, well, where are they at? Turn, turn with me to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And you need, to, you need to hang on to this verse right here. All right, Psalm 34, 7 says this. Psalm 34, 7. Got it? Watch this. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and does what? And delivers them. And delivered. You know what encamp means? You've got a military unit moving through the countryside and the commander says, we're going to encamp right here. So what do they do? That means they set up camp and they stay there. Tell me where the angels of God are. Are they on the stage this morning? The angel of the Lord encamps, sets up camp and stays around those who fear them. And what do they do? They deliver them. They protect them. They secure them according to scripture. Now, somebody asked me one time, what do, what do you... Do you believe that people have their own angel? All right, the scripture would point toward that. For instance, Matthew chapter 18, verse 10 says this, talking about children. See that you do not despise one of these little ones because their angels always behold the face of my father who is in heaven. So verses like that would point us to believe that even children have angels appointed to them that behold the face of God in heaven all the time. And that they're angels. I'm, I'm not sure whether I have the same angel all my life or whether they rotate. Like when they're off duty. I, I, I have no idea. I don't care. I just know he is there. And the main thing is to know that he is there. I, I would hate to. Now, this is not in the Bible. So let me step over here. I got a light over here. I, I, when I get to heaven one day, most of us are going to go, oh, when we know everything fully, we'll go, oh, that was you, huh? Number one, I want to say thank you very much for getting me through this earth. Number two, I am so sorry for what you had to put up with. So who knows whether they rotate or whatnot, but the Bible would lead us toward that. All right, so angels protect us. Number two, the Bible said angels guide us through life. You don't even know they're there, but they're guiding you through life. Once you see the great passage about that, turn with me to Exodus 23. If there was the Bible teaches that we don't just come to Jesus and get saved and then go live our lives and go to heaven one day. The Bible teaches God has a plan for your life. 
plans for good, Amen. not for evil, to give you a future and hope. That's what it meant. He took them out of bondage to lead them to the promised land. God wants to take you somewhere in life. He's got great plans for your life. Guess who gets you there? Well, here's the great passage. Now, Exodus 23, as you well know, this is the place where uh, he said to a man, Moses, I'm sending my people somewhere and you're going to lead them because I've got great, I want, I want my people to do better than they're doing. I got great plans for them. So I'm going to take them somewhere. And he said, here's how you want to get them there. Exodus 23, verse 20 says this. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. What does the Bible say? I've got plans for you. And I've got an angel that's going to lead you into those plans. He'll guide your life. Many times you, uh, you have no idea what's happened to you. you. You were going to make a decision and then you changed your mind. How do you know an angel didn't speak to you and put that in your mind? That you will listen to what the Bible said. You will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, this is the way. Walk in it when you start to turn to the right or to the left. You say, I thought I was just being smart. Angels watching over me. And he said, I will give you an angel and they will bring you to the place. Listen, my life should have been a tragic train wreck ending the way I started out. But I have been blessed beyond measure in everything. I've just been blessed beyond measure. Surely you don't think I was smart enough to do this. People a whole lot smarter than me have done a whole lot worse. I, I, I guarantee you they've been an angel on each side of me. So other than say, get him by the arms and let's go. They will bring you into the place God has prepared for you. Now watch verse 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. I mean, you think angels speak to you. How can you obey their voice if they don't speak to you? Now you don't hear a voice. Angels speak to you the same way demons do. By the way, Satan's emissaries like to mess with God's children. I'm going to say that again. Satan's agents like to mess with God's children. Can I get a witness? That's clearly taught in scripture. And on occasion, God's angels show mercy to Satan's people. But angels speak to you the same way demons speak to you. Uh, Ephesians chapter six talks about this. You don't hear a voice. They come as thoughts and ideas. They can put thoughts into your mind and ideas and directives. And not only that, they can cause you to have an idea and want to do it. This is how they lead. This is why he said, listen to his voice. Verse 22, watch this. If you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak to you. Well, who's talking to me? Is God talking to me? It said, look, obey his voice and do what I say. Is God talking to me or is an angel talking to me? What's the answer? Yes. yes. God speaks to me. He said, go tell him this. Go point him in this direction. Go help him with this. And they guide us through thoughts and ideas a lot of times. Have you ever been fixing to uh, do something and all of a sudden you thought, that's dumb. That was him. All right. So the Bible says that they can guide us in life. One of the great pictures of this, of an angel guiding people, this is all through scripture. One of the great pictures of this, we won't look at it. Let me just quote it to you. All right. And I want you to get, I want you to pretend you've never read the Bible for a minute. Some of you wouldn't have to. Pretend you've never read the Bible for a minute. Pretend you've never heard this story. You're a young Jewish boy in your early 20s. You're a carpenter and you have fallen in love with the most beautiful little teenage girl do any of y'all remember the early days of when you were courting and in love? And Okay, never mind. In the early days, you have fallen in love and you found the most beautiful young girl. Now remember, this is a different culture. 
people lived different in that culture than we do in ours. This was a very moral, decent culture. And you're in love with this girl and you're excited. You're fixing to get married. And you're just dreaming. And all of a sudden she comes to see you and she, she says, I got to tell you something. And he said, what is it, sweetheart? And she says, I'm pregnant. Now you've never read, you've never heard the story. I'm pregnant. What did that do to you as a young man? And, and on top of that, she comes up with some cockamamie story about God did this to me. Now remember, you're, you're not a theologian. You're not a preacher. You're just a young carpenter boy. And the girl you love more than your own life tells you she's pregnant and God did it. And he, was, he just was stunned. But the Bible said he was such a good man. This one said he was minded rather than to disgrace her to put her away privately. He could have brought her before the city fathers and had her killed. But he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, I'll just send her away out of the country. She can go away somewhere else and have her own life. But at best, his life is now, he's lost everything he loved. And the Bible said at night, while he thought on these things, an angel appeared to him. And that angel said, she's telling the truth. What's in her is born of God. And she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And this young carpenter goes, God's going to live in my house. I got to I've, got, I've got to raise him. I'm going to be spanking God when he gets out of line. You don't think Jesus ever got spanked? Well, I don't know. And all through his life, I think Joseph's probably the greatest man that ever lived. I think he's the greatest father. That Why did God pick him to be the father of his son? But what do you notice about this man's life? He wasn't smart, didn't claim to be, wasn't educated. But where do you see the angel all through his life? All right, right after Jesus is born, an angel appeared to him and said, get him out of this country because somebody's going to try and kill him. So Joseph packed up, moved him to Egypt. After that king died, an angel appeared to him and said, all right, move back there because it's safe now. On the way, an angel said, no, turn to the side. Somebody else would try to hurt him. And all his life, what did an angel do? It guided the life of Joseph to raise Jesus. What does the Bible teach? I will send my angel and he will guide you. We need to cooperate with these guys. We need to cooperate with them. They're, two things. Number one, they're not your enemy. They're, they, have your, they have your best in mind. And number two, please listen to me. They are smarter than you are. Y'all can't get amen out of that. We're in trouble. They can get you to where you want to be. You cannot. We need to cooperate with these guys, but they guide through life. One of the great promises of God, Psalm 34, 7 says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, directed by the Lord. Isn't that great? To know that as I walk through life, I'm trying to think about things, make decisions. Do I buy this? Do I buy that? Do I get with these people? Do I move it? But if you'll just look up and say, humbly say, I want to praise you and thank you. I pray this every day. I praise you that you order my steps. And he'll direct your life. You don't even know it. Well, who's doing it? There's that angel following you around all the time. Do this. Don't, don't, don't. don't. Oh, son, son. Bop, don't do that. (laughs) I don't know if they do that or not, but. Steps of good men ordered by the Lord. So, so angels guide through life. They're sent to guide us through life. You say, the way you make it sound, they're all over the place. Yeah. 
Listen, we need to go by what the Bible says rather than what our eyes see. Let me give you one more. Number three, angels are sent to encourage people. These are the most encouraging people on earth. Now, if you can't hear them, how can they encourage you? Of course they do. All right, here's one of the great pictures. I love this. In Acts chapter 27, Paul the apostle who wrote it, he was put on a ship. He was to be tried at Rome. He's going to be put to death. But he had to go to Rome to have the trial. And it was a long journey on this ship. And before they started the journey, it's a huge ship because it had 270 people on board. And he told them before we take off, he said, men, in my spirit, I sense that we're in trouble. We better not make this journey. And the captain and the helmsman said, don't pay no attention to him. We'll be all right. What happens when you don't listen to the preacher? All right, so they get going. They got in the worst storm they'd ever been in. The Bible said, and no small storm beat on us day and night. We did not see the sun nor the stars for many days. And they'd lost, their ship was torn to pieces. They'd lost the tackle. They threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And they all knew we're going to die. And the Bible said this, all hope that we would be saved was lost. And they're just out there being rocked around on a raging sea fixing to die. And just hanging up day after day, the storm raged on them. All right. One day, Paul comes out and says, may I have everybody come here? Now, I don't know how he did this because the storm's raging and it's 270. He said, come here. He said, last night, an angel of the God whom I serve stood by me and said, be encouraged, Paul. God has heard your prayers and everybody on this ship is going to be saved. He's going to bring you out of this storm. And he said, therefore, I say unto you, men, it's been 10 days since you ate. Take meat, take bread and be encouraged. It will be just like the angel told me. Does anybody know the rest of the story? They were saved. The ship crashed, but they all, every single person was saved. That's the ministry of angels. We're sort of getting at that place in our nation right now where people are losing hope. People are getting discouraged. May I suggest something to you? You need to listen to angels more than you do the news. Oh, you'll, you'll clap for that. You'll clap for that. You won't clap for the next one. You need to get offline and get in line with what God's saying. I, th I thought I'd throw that in for free too. Well, now listen, I'm not telling you get offline. I'm not telling you don't pay attention to the news. I'm just asking, do you want to live discouraged? Or do you want to live encouraged? Which one do you want to do? Angels are sent to encourage people. How many times have I just been tooling along somewhere, dealing with something, and a song would come on the radio, and I'm listening to this song and just go, praise God, we're going to make it. We, we're going to, this family, we're going to be fine. Well, guess who's sitting in the passenger seat over there with his seatbelt buckled talking to me while the song's playing? Angels speak to your heart, not your ear. And that's why we need to hear what they got to say. They're great encouragers. Let me tell you one of the greatest, one of the funniest things I've heard one time. There's a man, if I said his name, you'd know him because he's a big time TV preacher. And I won't say his name because I don't want to divide nobody. But anyway, big time TV preacher. But he said, he told us, he said, when I was just starting out, just a little fella, I was a hellraiser. I got saved. I went to school to learn how to preach. And I preached a time or two in nursing homes. That's where we all start because nobody can hear you there and they're not awake anyway. So that's where I started. And uh, he said, I got, they invited me to come back home to my little country church and preach. I was so excited. So I called my best buddy who still lived there and he, did, he didn't believe in Jesus. He was still a hellraiser. I said, I'm going to be preaching at my church. I want you to come hear me. And he said, um, I, you know, I'm going for that church. He said, just come hear me, come hear me. So he came and he said, I'm up there and said the whole crowd would have fitted, you know, just right here, a little small country church. And he said, I'm, I saw him come in and he sat on the back row and he had that I shall not be moved posture. 
And he said, he's sitting back there and watching me. He said, so I'm preaching. He said, about halfway through my time, I'm up there preaching. And uh, halfway through the time, he just something, he just changed. He said, he put his arms down. He leaned forward and looked at me. Anyway, I got done. Said, we went out in the parking lot, gravel parking lot afterwards. And I saw him and I said, well, thank you for coming. How'd you like it? He said, who's them fellas up there? He said, after a while, I looked up there and said, you was preaching and said, there was two great big fellas looked like Mr. Clean standing behind you and to the side of you with their arms folded like this. And said, they were just standing there watching all of us and said, you'd be preaching long, said, when you'd wind down a little bit, one of them fellas would lean over and whisper something in your ear and you'd just get excited and take off and start hollering and screaming again and said, then you'd wind down and get quiet and this one would lean over and whisper something in your ear and you'd start jumping around and hollering. That's their ministry. They're, they're great encouragers. There's a, you ever heard the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, written by Fanny Crosby? Listen to this line in that song. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Angels will whisper into your heart how much God loves you. Sometimes you'll be listening to a song or a preacher or you'll be worshiping and you just feel like, God really cares about me. Guess who's talking to you? They join in with us. And anyway, they're great encouragers. I love them. All right, last of all, how can I get these boys to help me? What do I need to do? What do they like for me to wear? The question is, how can I cooperate with angels? And we need to cooperate with them. I may even know we need their help. We need to cooperate. Uh, somebody asked me one time, said, you know, I had a wreck. Where was my angel? I said, how fast were you going? Angels have to obey God which means they have to obey the law of the land. You was going at 85, they was flying at 65. You wrecked before they could catch up with you is what happened out there. <laughs> we need to cooperate with angels. All right, question from the scriptures. Can people command angels? No. Nowhere in scriptures can we command angels. Who commands angels? He will give his angels charge over you. Only God can command angels. You say, what can I do? Have you ever heard of prayer? You ever heard of praying? When we pray, God sends his angels. When we pray, do you pray over your children? Grandchildren? When we pray, God, let me show you that. Turn me to Daniel. This is one of the great pictures of this. And Daniel, this is pretty wild here. Uh, in the Old Testament, look at the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then you'll find Daniel. And if you find it, come help me find it. Daniel chapter 10. All right, a guy named Daniel. He's, he's in... His land's in trouble. His people are in trouble. So he's praying and he's praying. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to him and comes. We can learn something from this. I want you to watch what it said when the angel showed up. The angel all of a sudden appears. He touches him and brings peace. Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. That's how they talk right there. Daniel, God loves you so much. They talk to you that way. Greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright. I've been sent to you. See there? God sent his angel. Verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, Daniel 10, 12, that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have become, I have come. Why? Why did that angel come? Because of your prayer, because of your words. So Daniel prayed for his people. And the angel said, God heard you the first day you prayed. Isn't that good news? You ever feel like God didn't hear your prayer? 
Anybody ever feel like God doesn't hear when you pray? That's one of those other angels messing with your head. Listen, the Bible's true. The prayer of the upright is the Lord's delight. All right, you were heard the first day you prayed. I'm here because you prayed. I'm here because you called. Now watch this pretty wild right at verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia fought me 21 days until Michael, one of the chief princes, he's actually the chief angel, came to help me for I'd been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Right, he's, he's, Daniel's in the land of Persia. And he said, from the first day you prayed, God sent me, but I couldn't get to you. Who is this that withstood him? Who is the king of Persia? That's not a physical king. That is the chief ruling demon spirit over that land. And he said, that demon power stopped me and I couldn't handle it. There was angels fight with each other. There's like two military powers. So he said, I, I've been sent by God to help you, but the king of Persia stopped me and we battled. I couldn't get through for 21 days. And then all of a sudden, a guy named Michael shows up. Y'all know who Michael is? All right, Michael is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the, of the angel kingdom. He is the head dude over all the warring angels. He's like Rambo showing up with that machine gun. Michael shows up and everybody gets their butt kicked on the other side. I mean, he cleans house, which lets this angel get through. And he said, I've come to help you. And he said, but now I got to go back and we're going to keep fighting. There is a war in the spirit realm around us between angels, between light angels and dark angels. Scripture teaches this in numerous places. But here's the point I wanted to make. You can pray and angels will show up. Now you can't tell them what to do, but you talk to God and he'll send them. Do you remember I told you in Acts chapter 12, Simon had been arrested, put in prison. He was going to be murdered the next morning. Listen to what the Bible said. So the king arrested Simon, intending to bring him out and kill him the next day. But prayer was made for him by the church. Amen. What's the next verse? And the Lord sent his angel. And so we, we can pray. When we pray, I pray daily. I don't ask God to send angels. I pray every day. And here's what I pray. Father, I praise you and thank you that your angels surround me my family, everything we've got, my church. I pray especially for the persecuted church in the earth every day. People in Iran, uh, North Korea, China that are suffering. Listen, this is my family. These are, these are the brothers and sisters I'll spend eternity with. They're my family now. And I believe that with the painful things that are going on in the earth, God releases his angels to minister to these people and protect them and help. That's why I pray every day for the persecuted church. But you need to pray and thank God every day that his angels surround you. When my kids were little started to go to school, I could not go to school with them. Some of you mamas think you can, but I couldn't go to school with them. Guess who can go to school with them? You need to, listen, we need to pray. He said, because of your prayer, I was sent to help. And the Bible says that our prayers release angels, take care of them like that. Let me throw something else in here for free. Worship activates angels. Now angels were created to do two things according to the Bible. Worship God and help people. They're the eternal worshiping beings. They're created to worship God and help people. And numerous places in the Bible, when people began to worship, angels joined in and started working. Acts chapter 16, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Angels love to worship. They're in the room with us here. And when we begin to worship God, if we truly rear back with our hearts and worship God, they join in and then they begin to stimulate worship. I mean, I, listen, angels love to worship God. That's just what they'll do for all of eternity. If you go to the book of Revelation, chapters four and five, 
tens, thousands times, tens, thousands, that's why we say it in the South, of angels are worshiping God day and night before his throne. And they love to worship and worship activates them, turns them loose. Let me encourage you to get something sometime. Every believer, the greatest book ever written about the spirit realm around us with angels is a book by Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. It's a masterpiece. It was written about 30 years ago. It was, it's a huge book. I read it just as quick as I get it read. One of the most fascinating books I've ever read. But it is a message from God that shows us what's going on around us all the time. It's called This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti about the ministry of angels that are around us constantly. All right, let me quit by throwing this in here. A lot of people get discouraged and they're talking about darkness in the earth, demons working in the earth. It's very important that you remember the ratio. Yes. Do y'all remember the ratio? I knew somebody knew it. Turn with me one more time, Revelation chapter 12, and let's see where angels, where the dark angels came from and what the light angels are doing. Revelation chapter 12 is a hoot. Well, excuse me, it's wonderful. Uh, this is just wonderful. This is the passage that tells us what happened before the earth was ever formed. This goes all the way back to before the earth was formed. And Revelation chapter 12 tells us this. Verse seven, Revelation 12, seven. I love the book of Revelation because we get a revelation out of it. The Bible said this, Revelation 12, seven, war broke out in heaven. How many of you knew there was a war in heaven before there was an earth? War broke out in heaven. Michael, remember I told you about Michael? And his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. What'd you have in heaven before there was ever an earth? You had a great war and you had uh, angels fighting one another. Uh, one group of angels was led by Michael who led the other group? Somebody called Dragon. All right, you need to understand this about angels. <clears throat> They're in a military hierarchy. They have a commander in chief. They have a joint chief of staff. They have generals, colonels, majors, right on down the line, down to privates. The privates go fishing with me. All right, so you got a, you got a hierarchy of angels. At the top of the angel hierarchy, the Bible says, are three angels. Well, there's two now. One of them got fired. Three angels. Their names are Michael, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. The third one's name was Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 14 in the book of Ezekiel, we see Lucifer. Lucifer was the most beautiful angels ever. The Bible describes him like this. It said the color of every rainbow was in his being. To, to look at Lucifer would be like to look at the most beautiful stained glass window you've ever seen with the light coming through it. That was his appearance. He said, you were beautiful in your appearance, the color of every rainbow. And his voice, the Bible said, the sound of every instrument in the orchestra was in your voice. He could open his mouth and sing and it was like an orchestra would come out. Many scholars have said that he was the worship leader in heaven at one point. Now the Bible doesn't definitively say that, but it's probably true. And uh, he was the most beautiful angel, the greatest musician. But the Bible said this, his heart was inflated with pride and he made the stupidest mistake in universe history. He decided he would challenge God for his throne. He said, I will rise above the stars of God. I will sit on the sides of the north. I will replace God. The Bible said his beauty caused him to be filled with pride and he thought he could replace God. It did not go so well. That's why the Bible said war broke out in heaven. A group of the angels in heaven sided with Lucifer, who is called the dragon now. Of course, those that were faithful to God stayed with Michael. And in this great war that took place, there was a battle. Who won the battle? Michael and his angels defeated Lucifer and his angels. Watch what happened to them. Verse nine. Well, let's read verse eight. They did not prevail, the devil and his angels, or Lucifer. 
a place was found for them in heaven no longer. They were kicked out of heaven. So the great dragon was cast out. In case you're wondering who he is, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels cast out with him. What do we call his angels today? Demon spirits. So he one time led the worship perhaps in heaven, ruled in heaven. He was beautiful. He exalted his throne above the stars of God. A war broke out and he was thrown out of heaven and he had to take the rebels with him. And uh, that's who's ruling in the earth right now. And ultimately defeated. One day will be defeated. But you got to remember something. Let me show you the ratio. Look in verse three of chapter 12. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, seven heads, 10 horns, seven diadems on his head. His tail drew what? His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. One third of the angels followed Satan in the insurrection and in the war. They were thrown out of heaven. How many, what's the ratio between angels and demons? Two to one. For every demon that rebelled against God and was thrown out of heaven into the earth to raise hell in the earth, there are still two angels. Let me remind you something, dear ones. It's not close. For every demon spirit wreaking havoc in this earth, there are two angels ministering to the people of God. Now, let me tell you, there's not a great battle between those guys. I mean, there's a war fierce, but the Bible said on that final day when Satan and his entire kingdom are wrapped up and thrown into hell, how many angels is it going to take to do it? One. The book of Revelation says when God said, that's it. One angel will bind Satan and all of his forces and throw him into hell forever. Does that sound like some little fat dumpy dude in a truck stop to you playing a harp? <laughs> they are fierce beings. They love God passionately and they are committed to your well-being. And they're going to take care of you if you'll let them. I, listen, I love angels. I love them and I'm thankful for them. But I need to give you a word of caution about angels from the Bible here. Once in a while we get a group of people who want to worship angels and obsess over angels. Do not do that. You will offend them. They don't even like your attention. They love anonymity. They don't want anybody to know they're there. They love to be anonymous. And they do not want to be worshipped. They don't even want you to, to obsess over them. There's nothing wrong with having an angel over your door or something like that. In the book of Revelation, the revelation of God was given to John by an angel. An angel walked him through it. In Revelation 22, John said he was so overwhelmed by what this angel showed him. He said, the Bible said this, I bowed down to worship the angel and the angel rebuked me and said, do not do that. I am a servant of God, just like you worship God. Angels are offended if we try to worship them. You know why? They have seen the face of God. And the last thing they want to do is step in front of him and take his worship away from him. And, and they're, they're precious beings, but we don't want to obsess over them. But we want to be very thankful for them and who they are and what they're doing. Now, how many of you believe you've ever had an experience with an angel? If you're a believer, how many of you have ever been one second without them? I'm telling you, you say, well, I didn't know all this stuff. That's why we have a Bible and that's why we have church. So we can know what the Bible says around us. That's why we can relax and say, praise God for his goodness. Now, let me tell you something. A lot of us are nervous about things these days. A lot of us are one nervous about our kids. If I knew that Mr. Clean was standing beside me with his sword drawn and as another Mr. Clean would follow my kid to school all week, I can go fishing and relax, can't I? That's right. That's right. Let them handle the deal out there. Let me recommend something else to you. There's a guy named Blake Healy. And he has a spiritual gift called seeing. In the Bible, it talks about seers, S-E-E-R, seer. This fellow has a God-given gift as a seer. He wrote a book called The Veil. I would, I would encourage you to get it. It's wonderful. 
And uh, God gave this fellow the ability, even as a child, to see, see in the spirit realm. He said, he said, I thought everybody saw it. And even as a child, he said, everywhere I go, I can see in the spirit realm. I can see what's going on in the spirit realm around us. How many of you know there's another realm all around us? Yes. So you got to show me that in the Bible. I don't know about that stuff. Second Corinthians 4 says this. We do not focus on the things that are seen, but on the world that is not seen. Because the world that is seen is temporary. The world that is not seen is eternal. There's an eternal world of beings all around us. They're in the room this morning. He said, I can go into a party and just stand against the wall and watch. He said, I see angels moving around the room. I see them standing at the door to stand guard. I see demons sitting on people's shoulders, talking into their ears, which puts thoughts in their minds. And he's everywhere he goes, he sees in the spirit realm. And he wrote a book called The Veil. I would encourage you to get it and, and sort of realize what's going on around you. Be a little more careful about what you think about, what you listen to. And uh, it causes you to slow down so your angel can keep up with you. By the way, don't get mad at people that drive slow and give them the finger. That's me. Don't give your preacher the finger. Oh, no, I just drive slow. I, don't, I just enjoy my life. And on no few occasions I've had somebody right on my rear end. They'll, they'll get ill, we'll get to a two-lane, and they'll come around, they'll give you the look. And then they'll see it's you. Thank God for his grace. I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me carefully. He's doing everything he can to get you to himself. He's doing everything he can to be good to you. His son died for you on a cross. He's loved you before time began. He created you to be his and he has sent you special angels to get you all the way there. That's why the Bible says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Can I ask you one last question? Why you want to be on the other team? Why would anybody want to be on the other team? Why would you want to be a child of the devil when you can be a child of God, considering that the future is not very good for those who do not bow their knee to the Son of God? Yeah. You say, Brother Brian, don't make no sense. Didn't make any sense either when I was living there. But all of a sudden, one day, the eyes of my heart were open. I knew it is that God who loves me. That one died for me. This one's trying to kill me. That one died for me. That's the one that loves me right there. That's the one that's blessed my life. And that's the one that I'll see face to face for all of eternity and live abundant life. Amen. Follow Jesus. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. On this day, we want to take a minute to thank you for those great ministering spirits sent forth to minister and serve those who will inherit salvation. Thank you for the angels who care for us, protect us, guide us, encourage us, bless us, make our way, lead us to you. Thank you for them. Father, I want to pray now for everybody in this room that has never bowed their knee to Jesus and said He is Lord. We unashamedly, Father, we ask people to follow Jesus. I don't know why they'd follow that other guy. That is a one-way dead-end road that leads straight to hell. I pray you open the eyes of people's hearts and let them see that in the middle of the road leading to hell is planted a cross and the Son of God nailed to it in His great love for them. Draw people to yourself right now. Friend, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, let's do it right now. It's very simple, but it's a hard issue. You just have to decide, do I want to be a child of God or a child of the devil? Jesus said this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You have to call on him. Let's play, pray right, just pray right there where you sit. Pray it in your heart, but you got to mean it. I want you to pray a simple prayer with me and let's call on his name. Say this, say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. 
I believe you died on a cross because you love me. I believe you rose from the grave and you're coming back to this earth one day. I want to be a part of your family. I confess my sins to you and I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed, knowing you will. I turn from my sins and I turn to your way. I want to follow you, Jesus. From this day forward, you are my Savior, the Lord of my life, and the love of my life forever. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being so good to me. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Strong Son of God, amen.